Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. This is Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports. Streaming through the Seattle Sports app. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross. Here we go now. Joining us now on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline, it's Gary Hill, the Mariners Radio Network. Gary, there's so much we want to be able to cover with you. First of all, how are you? I'm great. How are you? Fantastic. Great to talk to you. I love yeah. hearing the background noise. Are you out? Where are you right now? I am at the ballpark. I'm looking at the sunny field right now. Beautiful. It feels great outside. It's our first, like, nice day here. It's, it's very pleasant. It's also the first day, I believe, that we're going to see Luis Castillo and Cal, right? Yes, that's going to be very exciting. So Luis is going to start. We'll uh, get to see Cal, which was purpose, uh, purposeful by uh, Scott Service. Just uh, slow playing him a little bit. So we'll get our first glimpse of Cal, which would be great. And anytime, I know it's just spring, but anytime you can see Luis Castillo is a great day. So I'm looking forward to that. Gary, you've been to a spring training or two. Um, what's the energy like over there with, you know, M's fans supporting a team that really feel like they can make, make another playoff run? I would say the vibes are good. That's how I would put it. Uh, M's fans are really excited. You know, it's funny. The first game against the Padres, as you can imagine, Padre fans are pretty jacked about their team as well. It was a lot of energy for a first spring training game. I know the the attendance was, I think, the highest they've ever had for a first spring training game. But you can tell, man, people are just really excited. Uh, Walking up to us and just talking about how much they're looking forward to this season, how much fun last year was, Mm -hmm. and... Yeah, the energy is is great, and it helps when it's sunny out because uh, I know that's something we haven't seen back at home for a long time. So there's that <laughs> there's that too. It's like, what is this thing in the sky that's big right. and bright? And is that the sky's blue here? That's weird. So there's that too mixed in, which is great. I have a beverage or two along the way at the game, and everything is perfect. <laughs> I'll have you know, I think where you are right now, even if you're standing outside, is warmer than the studio Bump and I are in. And we're very, very <laughs> jealous and upset about it. Very, very upset. Um, Hey, so we've been talking about a lot of names we're really excited about and kind of who we think can make the biggest impact and all that stuff. Who were you personally most excited to see when you got out there? And if it's a different answer, who's impressed you most? Ooh, that's a really good question. So for me, you know, it's funny because I look at spring training with especially the veterans is I look at them. They're just getting their work in and whether they hit 200 or 800, it really doesn't matter. Like it doesn't change my opinion at all for veterans. Uh, position players specifically. Right. Now, I'm always interested if pitchers are like, do they have a new pitch coming in? Which, you know, most Mariners pitchers, for whatever reason, seemingly coming into this camp, have a different pitch. So I think that's pretty interesting. Uh, I am always most anxious to see the young guys, guys that we hear about during the course of the year but don't get a chance to see. And today is a great example. So I'll get to see Bryce Miller for the first time. And I know they are extremely high on Bryce Miller. And he is super interesting because he has great stuff. And he's part of that uh, kind of depth in terms of start young starting pitching. But he also has spent some time in the bullpen in his career. And he's got a live arm. And he can touch 100 in a short stint. And he's got some wicked sliders. He has a couple of them to work with. So I'm really excited to see him. Uh, Wu is another guy. Hancock. You know, a lot of guys that I just... We just don't get to see because during the course of the season, except on like grainy video. So it's really fun to see those guys up close. And it's always fun, you know, to see Teoscar in a Mariners uniform, which we'll get a chance to see today, and Colton Wong and what that looks like. So that's always a good time, too. But for me, it's all about seeing the young guys for the first time. 
Well, a young guy who has um, some expectations on him, we'll see him this year, is Jared Kelnick. Don't call him JK. He don't like that. But <laughs> um, he says, you know, he's changed his approach at the plate. You know, you've seen a lot of his at-bats. Can you see and feel the change of his approach, his patience? What are you seeing? Well, it's looked good so far, which is great. And, you know, it's funny because I don't feel like for Kelnick that he's going to necessarily answer any questions at spring training. I mean, it's great to see him have success. Don't get me wrong there. But uh, his questions are going to have to be answered during the regular season. But it's certainly a good sign. You know, the other day, you know, he hit the two home runs, which was great. Had the hard line out to the center field, which was great. And, you know, to hear him talk about it, he was really happy with uh, not only the results, obviously, but the approach, because he said his approach is to hit hit up the middle and hit it hard up the middle, and he did it all three times. So that's great to see. I mean, the results are one thing, but when you have an approach and having success with that, it, it's phenomenal. And there's, you know, all eyes are on Kelnick, right? I mean, when we get to the regular season, uh, they're going to need him offensively when when you look at how things shake out right now. And, you know, Pollock will be there, I think, to help really with the platoon situation so you can sit him against a really tough lefty and try and spot him to put him in the best possible place to succeed, which is great. But, you know, I you just look at how the lineup sits and, you know, his, I guess uh, how I put it, the variance He's got the biggest variance, that position, left field position, between maybe projections and the ceiling of what you could get. So they could gain a lot there if he could have the kind of year that we're all hoping. But really, uh, with the rest of this lineup, you just want to be a productive player. We know the defense is going to be there. You know, he doesn't have to hit 30 home runs. Just be a productive player. I think that's all we're asking for at this point. Hey, I wanted to talk about a couple of those young guys to bounce back to that. You mentioned Bryce Miller, uh, Prelander's out there, obviously Harry yeah. Ford, who's quite a bit younger. And then I'm going to throw in Evan White. He's not really who we think of as one of the young guys, but a guy we haven't seen in a while. Uh, how many, if any, of those guys could be with the club at some point this year? Ooh, yeah. Well, you never know how injuries shake out, right? And so a guy like Evan White, I mean... The, they don't have a ton of depth at first base at this point and you know he's toyed around with playing some outfield as well from time to time and he's super athletic and he's been here so yeah you could map out a scenario where he's healthy early in the season and we could see evan white and right. in terms of bullpen arms you mentioned broa i mean those guys can pop and get here in no time broa's got a huge arm and he looked great the first time we saw him a couple days ago so we'll see how that continues in spring training but Especially with this Mariners team, uh, we've seen their track record now. It's I think about two years ago when we were watching Paul Seawald in spring training, and you know we didn't think twice. You know, it's Paul Seawald, and who's this guy? You know that sort of thing. And you look, and he's been one of the best relievers in baseball the past two years. So, given what they've done with pitchers, <laughs> I kind of pay attention to every bullpen arm. You know, Justin Topa is another guy that I think about who they traded for in the offseason. Not a big name, uh, but maybe he's in the mix. They do have a couple of spots in the back end of the bullpen, I think, coming out of camp. But I also think there's like 30 guys vying for those two spots. So I've, I have no idea how that's going to shake out. But I look at a guy like Baroa, and if you ask, yeah, could we see him this year? I was like, yeah, of course. I, I absolutely think we could see him this year. Hey, the Garrett, stuff is just so good. Gary, we always ask about the players, right? They're coming back. There's expectations. You got a great pitching staff. You added some bats. And all, well, at least I always ask about 
just how they feel? Are they more confident? What have you seen out of service? I mean, how what's his confidence like? What's his language like out there? Hmm. He seems really confident. I think about his journey, too. It's it's funny to think about. He's one of the elder statesmen now in terms of managers in the American League. There's only a couple that have been in one place longer. Uh, you think about everything he's done in a Mariners uniform now. Uh, you know, Outside of Lou Pinella, he's the only manager to guide a Mariners team to the postseason. He's doing things that, outside of Lou, no one else has done. And I just think he's really comfortable with what he's doing and not only uh the job of managing too is just it's so enormous now and you're managing not only the team and the players but also the staff as well and you know it shows itself with the bullpen meetings and everything else they do to get ready for a ball game it's just a huge job right now and i think uh, over the course of time they've gotten their systems in place they've gotten their systems down everything's just working if that makes sense. It's just it's just working really well right now, and I just think he's confident in what he's doing. Yeah, absolutely. All the small things is stuck in my head now. Yeah. Thanks for that background noise. He is Gary Hill, <laughs> Mariners Radio Network. Gary, thanks it's for taking the time. I, I blame you, <laughs> it's Gary. It's not my playlist, I swear. <laughs> thanks for taking the time. Love the insight. We'll talk to you next time. See ya. Anytime. Thank you. See you, Gary. This hour of Bump and Stacey is brought to you by Advanced Hair Restoration. Four Down Territory coming your way next. This is Four Down Territory, going inside the game with former Seahawks and Coug wide receiver Michael Bumpus. Both of you need to leave my iPad pen alone. They're getting real rude. They're getting rude. They're getting real rude. What's your birthday? May 31st. Okay, got you. Look, guys, right. I don't need a real a real Apple one. We'll come together. 25 bucks you a piece. Want a, uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> if it means you guys all stop just clowning on me constantly, then I'm down for it. First down. There's been another rule change proposal in the NFL. This one is one of our favorites. I saw it. I'm so excited. Why should they change the onside kick rule? Change it. Change the onside kick rule. So if you are not watching the XFL like you should be and supporting yes. your Sea Dragons, right. here's the deal. Now, in the fourth quarter, instead of going for an onside kick, teams can now accept a fourth and 15 back in their own territory. What this does, it keeps teams in the game. You could be down 18 points with two minutes left, and you are still in this game if you um, go for a three-point conversion as well. That's another nice little twist to this thing. All right, 24-7 with two minutes left. You are still in the game. And also, here's why they need to replace that thing. In 2022, three out of 57 onside kicks were recovered, 5%. 21, 9 out of 56. In 2020, Boring. 3 out of 67. and 19, Boring. 8 out of 62. Boring. Right? Keep these games exciting. You know what the NBA has? They got three-pointers. They got free throws. Fun you know stuff. what I'm saying? Extra points. Late in the game, you can get on. You know what the MLB has? Grand slams. Runners in scoring position. I'm like, keep this thing interesting. Now, teams are going to say, oh, it's going against the tradition of football. I understand all of that. I'm just saying, if you want to keep it exciting, you look at the St. Louis Battlehawks and yeah. XFL. They've been in the games because of three-point conversions and that fourth and 15. I love it. Get rid of it. I will let you guys know that if you don't, just Google or go to YouTube, Battlehawks, you know, fourth and 15. I am telling you, like Bump and I were looking at this rule and then we saw it in action. We were talking about it the next day because it was so fun to actually see. Who wouldn't want more high stakes pass plays in the NFL? Come on. What are we doing? Second down. Bump, looking back on the 2022 season, what would you say the Seahawks best team performance was and is an example of how hard it was for this team to win, even with Pro Bowl talent? It's hard to win in this league. And the Hawks showed you last year, but... 
a look at that game against the Rams. Now, 27-23, they win. That made the Seahawks 7-5. and five. These are the stats for that game. Nwosu had two sacks. Daryl Taylor had a sack. Jordan Brooks had a sack, nine tackles, one tackle for loss. Tariq Woolen had an interception, a season-high three passes defending. Geno Smith, three touchdowns, one interception. Game-winning drive. He was still sacked four times. Lockett had 128 yards in a touchdown. DK had 127 in a touchdown. They still gave up 170 on the ground. I'm just reading those stats, and they did it to a backup quarterback over there with the Rams. I'm looking at that and saying it is hard to win in this league. And, yes, people are going to – you're always going to say it. Here comes the text. Gino fell off. There was only one game-winning drive. I hear all that. <laughs> all right, I'm pointing this out to say it is tough to win in this league. All those stats that I just ran by you, you barely beat an L.A. team that is struggling or did struggle last year. So that's why, again, you got to stress this draft. All right, you need to do something, acquire some talent. That was the best team win. I went back in all the games, and I go, this is it right here, man. That was a good win. Third down. Oh, sorry, second down. No, third down. Lost my spot. Uh, The NFL Combine starts today with GM and head coach interviews, but let's focus on an athlete. What's your spotlight athlete today? Or who, excuse me, who is your spotlight athlete? John Michael Schmidt. Center out of Minnesota, right? You said, okay, no one knows. No one remembers the center. I know, I really gave it away. I gave it away with that answer. Okay. But that's okay. This guy has great technique. He's 6'4", 320 pounds, a bit bigger than Austin Blythe. Blythe is 6'2", 280. He's strong at the point of attack. When he gets his paws on you, he's going to push you back. He was graded as one of the top run blockers in this draft, and he will move people. If there's any knock on him, it's that he's not as good in pass blocking as he is with the run, but everyone has their flaws. You know what I'm saying? Everyone has their deficiencies. Also, this dude has been ranked one of the smartest at the position. We know at that center spot, you're going to need a guy who is smart and who is ready to go. He's got good feet, not great feet, but he can move. I'm looking at this guy. I want to give O-Lyman some love. Where's David from Issaquah when you need him? <laughs> Offensive line. If you're the, if you're going to go after a center, I like this guy, John Michael Schmidt. 6'4", 320, out of Minnesota. Best center in this draft. Go get him. Okay, we got to do a quick fourth down. Thankfully, we're getting back to four down territory later in the show, so we'll have more time the second time around. Fourth down. What do you hear when Pete says they have, quote, a rare opportunity with the number five pick? He says, you better watch out. You don't know what we're going to do with this pick. Might be quarterback, might be D-lineman, might be linebacker. You never know. When you're dealing with the Seahawks, you already know that. When you hear Pete Carroll go out there and say to all his competitors, all these GMs mm-hmm. too, y'all better watch out too because you don't know what we're going to do. I like it as gamesmanship. That's what you're supposed to do. Here for it. You are listening to Buff and Stacey on Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. All right, uh, speaking of the combine, we're keeping an eye on the podium to see if John Schneider uh, approaches. He is scheduled to speak today at around 1130. If we see it, we will take you there live. Also, coming up in the timeline. According to Radar Online, Tom Brady may be delaying his Fox Fox Sports gig to pursue a career as... We'll tell you in a minute. Don't go anywhere. This is The Timeline with Bump and Stacy. Brought to you by 1-800-DUIOA. You are listening to The Timeline on Bump and Stacy. We are keeping our eyes on the podium out at the NFL Combine where John Schneider is scheduled to speak at 1130. Um... He's not on the NFL feed now, so it could be that that's delayed, in which case we'll still see some updates on Twitter. So no matter what, you will have updates if there are any news items from John Schneider from the Combine. But let's get to stuff in our timeline. Orlando Guardians head coach, uh, is it Terrell Buckley? Terrell Buckley. Terrell Buckley, like 
Terrell Buckley. Uh, <laughs> the one and only. <laughs> okay. Uh, has been keeping it at 100 in his in-game interviews through the first two weeks of the XFL season. I would like for more interviews to be like this. As a heads up, this is a very quick clip, which should tell you what you're about to hear. Buckley is asked here if he's seen any positives. From tonight, is there a positive that you pull from somebody who played well, something you saw that you did like? No. Uh, he's he's uh, continued to ask more in that interview. Here's what he said. Welcome back to Orlando here with Coach Buckley. Coach, how do you change this momentum? We got to get different guys in there. Obviously, we got I got guys out there that are not competing, that are not making plays. So we got to get people in there, young men that want to play, that want to compete and make plays. I just saw you walk up and down this sideline and look some guys in their faces. What did you see out of your team? I'm seeing guys not performing. Look at the scoreboard. They got to perform. Thank you, Coach. Thank you. I was fully expecting him to say nothing. Hey, <laughs> that's a real coach for you right there. Because, look, we need different guys. Open trial in Orlando next week. You show up if you think you can play. <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah, I can imagine what his halftime speech was like and what his postgame speech was Just like. disgusting. He sounds like a guy who's going to keep it 100. But that's how it is, man. When you are getting paid to perform a job and you are the head coach, these guys are putting your job at risk. So, yeah, you got to be real with them. These are grown men, too. This ain't yeah. rec league. This ain't boys and girls clubs. This ain't YMCA. This is the XFL. Well, and everyone in the XFL, I mean, everyone in any level of professional sports, but most especially in the XFL, you are not in a last effort, but you're really, really trying to get back. Like, your goal is to be in the NFL. Your goal is to be in college coaching. Your mm-hmm. goal is to make this work. And you're probably at the end of your rope sometimes with patience. And oh, yeah. um, you're really, really frustrated with stuff not working because you've probably experienced it quite a bit. And so for him, I would imagine he's looking at this roster saying, hey, I know I'm a good coach. I know I can do a great job. I know that the stuff I'm teaching them, the game plans we have can work. I don't love our guys. You know the worst thing as a coach? When as I'm on the offensive side of the ball. We line up. Say it's a three-by-one formation. Yeah. They line up on defense exactly the way we taught them they were going to line up. Down and distance is perfect. You call the play that is supposed to work. The defense reacts exactly the way you coached your young men that they're going to react. And then somebody messes up the play. All week. <laughs> All week we told you on third and four inside the 20, this is what you're going to see, and you mess it up. And you know what you do? You look to the side and like, who else we got, man? <laughs> who else we got to throw in there? That's what I'm feeling out of my man Buckley. What's the most frustrating coaching experience you've had in your life? Are you are you able to – because you've coached a lot of high schoolers, so I don't want to throw any kids or nah, teenagers under names. the bus. But nah. what is a what is an experience you've had as a coach, or it could be as a player, where you were like, who messed up? It was, this was not on me. This was not on me, the receiver. This was not on me, the coach. I mean, it happens every game, Stace. There's always a, especially with high school kids, yeah. there's always a moment where someone does the wrong thing. There's no perfect game yeah, out there. Yeah. The worst is just when you, you prepare something special and they just don't execute. So, and uh, you're like, this could have been beautiful. You know, could have been nice. Could have been nice. Well, I have some good news to kind of, you know, help bring some salve to those old wounds I've just reopened. Um, we had a, a, some people kiss and make up a little bit. Um okay. Ollie Marmel, who's uh, the uh, manager for the Cardinals, and C.B. Buckner made up and shook hands before Monday's Cardinals game. As you guys know, yesterday we talked about Marmel being really upset because Buckner didn't shake his hand. And that 
uh, fight, not a fight, that weirdness stemmed from uh, an issue in exchange that they had back in August 2022, where there was a disputed strike call and Buckner ejected Marmel and then Marmel was not happy to be ejected. So they were screaming at each other. Who knows what Marmel said to him? But uh, Buckner apparently took such offense to it that he refused to shake Marmel's hand in spring training on Saturday. So apparently they're fine. Grown men doing grown man things. You know what Just I mean? Just get over Who it. Who could have thought? It's emotions. As long as no one's physically harming somebody, threatening family, I mean, it, things happen. Yeah. Someone said, was Clint Hurt doing this? Asking who else we got all last season? Man. Yeah. We saw Boye. I mean, yeah, we saw Daryl Johnson at one point. Clint tried everything. I'd be saying the same thing. I'd be like, I'm not a bad defensive coordinator. I am not working with, like, if I was looking over at Philadelphia or looking over at some other defenses where you've got multiple pro bowlers and some all pros, I'd be like, I'm not working with those guys. Yeah, I could look amazing, right? too, if I had that. Yeah, give me Hargrave. Yeah, it's kind of how I feel looking at celebrities. You're like, yeah, uh, I would look amazing, too, if I had a nutritionist and a personal trainer and a mm. plastic surgeon. Yeah. <laughs> You can look however you wanted. Uh, All right. Next story here. According to Radar Online, this is the one that I was teasing for you guys because I'm sorry. I can't believe this. Like, I I, I have a theory as to why we're hearing this, but this is the report. Tom Brady has delayed his Fox Sports job to pursue a career in stand-up comedy. Not real. Big pardon? No, this is according to Radar Online, which I know is just like a tabloidy kind of thing. The seven-time Super Bowl champion is planning a career in stand-up comedy, and his inner circle is trying to talk him out of it. You know what us average men do when we're in a midlife crisis? We buy a Corvette. You know, we go, we, we buy a home, a condo, or something somewhere for vacation. Tom Brady is all out of things to do if this is true. And he goes, you know what? I'm going to do comedy. Here's the thing. Don't do it because when you bomb on stage, I could imagine. I've seen it. And and I have, what do you call it when you when you feel embarrassed for someone else? Secondhand embarrassment. Secondhand it's embarrassment. It's absolutely yeah. I've had that so many times yes. watching comedians. Yes. I don't want to have that for Tom Brady. No, and I think it's very admirable to do stand-up comedy. Like the worst stand-up comedian is braver than me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you went up there and you tried it. Right. But that doesn't mean that I don't have, like, secondhand embarrassment. And I love cringe humor, like Nathan for you. <laughs> but this is not Nathan for you. This is actual cringe. Not the yeah. funny kind where, like, the person doing it is kind of in on the joke and no one else is. This is, there is no joke that anyone is in on. It's well, just yeah, painfully uncomfortable. You have to deal with hecklers, too. Uh, no one's heckling they're, Tom Brady. Uh, they're just going to. People would gladly. Yeah. I think that people are just going to. Tr- no, people. Hecklers people, think they're no, funny. Nick, hecklers they're, always yeah. think they're funny and it's annoying. But people also think that. They would say whatever they want to athletes when they see them. And without fail, people just suck up to celebrities and athletes because they get so starstruck. Tom Brady's best bet is to go to a uh, senior citizen place in Tampa, Florida, somewhere. Start there and see how they respond. Funny you say that because this is also part of that report. You know the movie 80 for Brady, which is a sports comedy mm-hmm. show. It's with uh, Jane Fonden, uh, Jane Fonden, Jane Fonda, Lily Tomlin, Sally Field, Rita Moreno. Um, so... Tom Brady was in that. And according to Radar Online, uh, all of those women who are a great comedic actresses uh, were showing him praise based on his performance. So that gave him confidence to jump into comedy. This is the quote from Radar. The ladies were super nice to him and he did a nice job reading professionally written material in a small part, but he'll be playing a whole different in a whole different league if he takes the stand up stage. He does a great impersonation of former teammate Rob Gronkowski, but his over the and his over the top Boston accent is hilarious, which is like fine, but I I don't know that that's the approach that you want to take. When when have you ever been around 
older women, 70 plus, and them not showing you love for everything. Exactly. They're, they're, they're so sweet. incredibly supportive. That's what they do. They're so incredibly supportive. They go become everyone's your boys. mom. Go to your boys, the ones that you really trust, that you grew up with, and you go tell some jokes to them. My boys humble me every time Just I see them. Just drag people. I could be doing something great. We could have had a, a fire show. They'd be like, Bob, man, you were tripping when you said this, that, and the third. I'm like, yeah. you don't even watch film. But that's what your boys do. They keep you humble. Well, he needs more of that, apparently. Yes. Because I think what he does is, like, all of us think that we're good at something in small doses. I think that I am good at um, doing makeup for friends, right? Do I think that I would stumble if someone said, I'll pay you to do makeup for me and all my bridesmaids for this wedding? Yeah, I would do a horrible job. I could never do that professionally. <laughs> like, I think like, oh, because I can do some eyeliner for a friend, I'm great. No, it would be a mess. I would be fired. They would take their money back. I would ruin the wedding. Like, it's the, the equivalent of that. You might think you're good at something in a small dose. When you're thrown into the professional sphere, mm-hmm. you would be horrible. Like someone who thinks like, oh, I, I can do 10 minutes on a podcast so I could do live radio. Could you? Mm. It's harder than you think. <laughs> Yeah, this is not this is not, not as easy as there's as some a lot may of stuff you have to do is. that you do not see or hear. What if he's great? I would hate. What that. if he's great? I would hate it. I would hate for Tom Brady to be. <laughs> you would great hate him this. all over again because we like him right now. No, that's why I would hate him again because it's like, how can you be so good looking and so effortlessly good at everything? So you're telling me that you can be a seven time Super Bowl winner, hold pretty much every quarterback record in the NFL, and also be good at stand up comedy? Getting into it at 43 or 44, I would be livid. Now I'm rooting for him. <laughs> Go get it, Brady. <laughs> so I mentioned that I have a theory. My theory: Have you guys ever seen Game of Thrones? Yes. You know when um, Tyrion tells three different people three different lies because he's trying to find out who the snitch is? Right. I think that's what this is. I think Tom Brady has, thinks he has a mole and a snitch in his inner circle. Like and he has told a couple different people three different rumors and crazy lies. And he's seeing what's the one that gets out. Okay. That's my theory. I like that theory. Yeah, that's my theory about what's happening. Uh, all right. So uh, still nothing that I'm seeing on uh, John Schneider. What I'm going to do is just keep an eye on the feeds for a couple different reporters who are there. Um, he is up there. There's nothing major yet. So I'll just keep an eye on it. Uh, for you guys. Let's get to a mock draft, though, while we're talking about the Combine. Mel Kuyper has his new 2023 mock draft, guys. Something tells me Mel Kuyper, not especially keen on Geno Smith, because this is the second draft in which he has had the Seahawks taking a quarterback. Here's what he has happening. He has a run on quarterbacks pretty early with Chicago trading with Houston, flipping one and two. Houston takes Bryce Young overall. Got it. All of us expect Houston to take Bryce Young, either first or second overall. Then he has the Indianapolis Colts trading up to number two, and they go and uh, they, you know, get uh, Jalen Carter. Okay. Or excuse me, Indy goes up and they get their quarterback. Uh, So C.J. Stroud goes number two overall. Uh, Will Anderson goes to Arizona. That's been widely mocked. Uh, Jalen Carter goes number four, unfortunately, one pick ahead of Seattle. So Seattle trades down with Carolina. This is actually a common trade. Carolina gets Will Levis. And then da 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 da. You think that Seattle's going to drop to nine and maybe take, uh, you know, Tyree Wilson. What are they going to do? He has them taking Anthony Richardson. That is the latest mock from Mel Kuyper Jr. What do you think of Anthony Richardson at number nine to the Seattle Seahawks bump? Well, well first off, who's the quarterback in Vegas right now? Uh, nobody. Exactly. So they got Vegas at seven, Detroit at six. I can see Detroit or Vegas making a, a run out of quarterback. You got Jared Goff with Detroit. You had nobody at number seven. So it's not a hundred percent that Anthony Richardson gets to number nine. If you do get to number nine and Anthony Richardson is there, that just lets me know, boom, you said it, Mel Kuyper and his thoughts on Geno Smith and the Hawks saying, look, 
we didn't need Will. We didn't need Jalen. We didn't need Murphy. We don't need Wilson. Mm-hmm. We're going after a quarterback. Again, Pete Carroll today said we are in a place of opportunity pretty much at number five. Yep. So I wouldn't put this past them, but I think there is a bit of bias when it comes to Geno. Okay. Speaking of Gino, this is a natural transition. I have some quotes from John. No sound yet, but I have quotes from reporters who were there. So I'm going to go ahead and mention the reporters for each of these, and then we'll see if we can get sound for you guys later. But let's get to some of what John Schneider is saying at the Combine right now. Uh, I'm going to start with the quarterback conversation. We have John talking about Gino and talking about taking uh, a quarterback. If you guys remember, Pete Carroll earlier this morning was asked about the possibility of keeping Gino and drafting a quarterback at number five. Here's what Pete said. We are totally connected to the quarterbacks that are coming out. Um, this is a really huge opportunity for us. Uh, it's a rare opportunity. We, you know, we've been drafting in the low 20s for such a long time, you just don't get the chance of these guys. So we're deeply involved with all that. Okay, so because of that answer from Pete earlier this morning, John was just asked, hey, if you're committed to Gino with big money and a long-term deal, why would you take a quarterback at, like, number five or this high in the draft? John said, quote, because they don't grow on trees. I believe the QBs are our future. That's why. You need a QB (laughs) to push your team forward. You need other pieces. You need O-line. You need D-line. But for the long run, the QBs that have had the most success in the NFL – Started with a franchise young and rolled it out. Who are the great QBs of our generation? We got Ben Roethlisberger, hella extremely long with the Steelers. Hella extremely. Drew Brees. Outlasted his own arm. Both (laughs) of them. Aaron Rodgers been there for a while. Tom Brady was there for 20 years. That's just what you do. That's a formula that works. That's why this is happening. Uh, Okay, so he was also asked about negotiations with Geno. He's asked if those contract talks with Gino were close. He says it's a process, but uses the word positive. This is from Michael Shantugar of The Athletic. Uh, Asked whether the franchise tag is realistic. Schneider declined to answer. Reminder, the franchise tag window is open for another eight days, I believe. I think March 7th is the deadline. Uh, Everyone has their eyes on Baltimore to see if Baltimore is going to franchise tag Lamar Jackson by March 7th. Don't forget, though, that Franchise tagging Gino is also an option for the Seahawks. It would be $32.4 million, fully guaranteed. With a franchise tag, you'd still have the option to trade Gino, but also to reach a long-term agreement and kind of lower that cap hit for 2023. Franchise him. You can hold on to him. Try to figure some things out. That's, that's what, if you're not committed to the franchise tag, it buys you a bit more time to figure things out. Um yeah, I can see I can see a world where they franchise them. I can see a world where they extend them. I can see a world where they franchise or extend in, still bringing a quarterback and let Drew Locke go. I can see a world where Geno's gone, Drew Locke is still here, then you draft another quarterback. Mm-hmm. Again, all the possibilities need to be explored in the situation with that number five pick. You got some leverage in this draft. Also, I can see them moving back to that nine spot as well. Also, based on some of the tone that they have, um, this from, from uh, Greg Bell of the Tacoma News Tribune, it doesn't seem like they want it to come to that. Like, it seems like the Seahawks would love to be able to keep Geno uh, at, like, a reasonable price. I don't know what reasonable is for them, but it, it certainly seems like they'd like to have insurance or some kind of known commodity at quarterback um, and not have the franchise tag, which would be a big chunk of the salary cap this year. Uh, I think the most surprising thing to me, and maybe it shouldn't be bumped, but from both John and Pete, is how open they are to taking a quarterback at five. I had gone ahead and let myself think there was a 100% chance they go defense at five because this defensive line is so badly in need of help. Yeah, I I was with you. But the more that we hear them talk, the more we get perspective 
to how they view this situation. That's why things change. Perspective changes once you hear the guys making decisions speak because you can kind of read between the lines and see what they're thinking. Even though it might be gamesmanship, they are trying to throw off these other franchises as well. And your perspective changes once you see guys perform yeah. in this combine that's coming up. So uh, it's a it's a fluid situation. Last last week, I wasn't even thinking about Anthony Richardson. No. A couple of days ago, I'm all over him. Last week, I wasn't even thinking about drafting a quarterback. I'm like, oh, I can kind of see where why they would draft a quarterback because of the things that they're saying. So it's very fluid. And I want to let you guys know, when John and Peter being asked this question, it is about pick number five. Like, people are clarifying that. This is about pick number five. This is not about, you know, hey, do you want to take a quarterback? Like, I think both of us thought, well, yeah, why not take a quarterback? Why mm-hmm. not draft a quarterback? This is about what they do at five. Yeah. And I remember I put out a tweet toward the end of last season. I think the regular season was still ongoing when I was like, okay, looking at this team right now, you don't know what's going to happen with Gino. Obviously, you know, you need help defensively. What do you want that first pick to be? It was like, I need to go find the tweet. It was like 95% of respondents said defense to Mm -hmm. the extent that people were leaving comments like, why would quarterback even be an option? Well, it sounds like it sounds like it's an option for John Schneider because he's never had this chance before and he knows that you can potentially find a franchise altering player. You are more likely to find a franchise altering player at quarterback than any other position. Yeah, and what's the um John has been said to be a great QB evaluator. Yes, yeah. He liked Josh Allen, got um your boy Russell all angry and stuff about that. There's other some other QBs that um that he's likes as well. So it's um it's a very it's a it's a possibility. But I'm with you. Like when you look at what this team needs right now to win with Geno, it's defensive help. Yeah. So that's why we're on the look, you go get the best defensive player available type of deal. Maybe they're looking at this situation now and saying, okay, we can get a quarterback there at five or even trading back to nine, get a couple more picks on the back end and get a couple guys on defense that we really like. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I know there's been a stretch with LJ Collier back in the day. We was like the late first round pick or early second round pick. Late first. Um, Rashad Penny was a stretch. That worked out yeah. in the later years of his career. Um, Daryl Taylor was a stretch. I think he was a second round pick, but now he's working out later. So even if they go get somebody late that we might not agree with it right now, I think they believe in what they do to say, look, eventually we can get these guys to conform to what we're doing, and we're we're we believe in our scouting department, and uh, if we can get a guy with some of the attributes that we like, we can develop this guy. Therefore, let's go ahead and get a quarterback at number five or nine or whatever the heck they do. Do you think it's just gamesmanship trying to jockey for additional draft picks from someone who wants to trade up, getting another team to think, hey, they're going to take a quarterback if I don't trade with them and take yeah, this guy? Most definitely. But do you also believe that they might? I. I think it's both. Or do you think it's purely jockeying for more picks? I think it's jockeying, and I think that that's a possibility at five as well. Because you don't really know what the teams in front of you are going to do. We know Texas needs a quarterback. We know the Colts need a quarterback. We feel like Arizona's going to go on defense. On defense. They're going to go Carter or Anderson. Right. You have to. You have to. We think we know what's going on there. But as the as this process goes along, as they evaluate more, as they talk to these young men, as they see them at the combine, their feelings might change on dudes. Mm-hmm. Could it be jockeying? Yeah, most definitely. I can definitely see that. Well, and that's why I wonder if they are hesitant to say too much about Gino like they're not talking about Gino like you know Gino's going to be here so we want to get talent around him because then you show your cards you tell Mm -hmm. the rest of the league like hey you know like we already kind of know what we're going to do at least in 2023 a quarterback we might take a shot at someone but like number five isn't taking a shot at someone number five is committing to someone like what have we've heard we've heard we're committed to Gino we want him here 
we've heard and I've read, oh, the Hawks are, are really big on going defense with that five pick. We've heard and read, okay, they're going to move back from that number five pick, go to nine. You have all these possibilities. Now, some of these some of these possibilities are made up. Yeah. These writers are speculating, assuming some, some, some things. Mm-hmm. But there are also writers who have great insight on things. I mean, we saw a guy write an article the other day and a young lady write an article the other day about Russell Wilson in that situation. They got some insight. So some of this stuff is just to put it out there yeah. and have these other teams thinking. But some of this stuff is actually being leaked. A Mike A. in Federal Way, that rhymes, uh, says it's a bargaining chip for John. That's my opinion. Not sure if you're serious about quarterback. I think that with here's here's what keeps me wondering if John's serious. Now, I think that what John is doing is trying to make that pick at number five feel as valuable as possible to mm-hmm. other teams. Meaning, I don't want to let you know what we're going to do here. Because I want you to think that the player that you want most, we could take. Right. Whoever that player is, I want you to think the player you want more than anything in the world, we could take at number five, and you have no choice but to trade with us. That's ultimately what you're doing with this press conference. The reason I won't fully eliminate quarterback as a possibility is, one, that John and Pete have never had a pick this high. And I do think that temptation is real. And two, you know who's going to be here in 2024, 2025, 2026, 2027? John Schneider. Mm -hmm. If you're John Schneider... You're not just thinking about what Gino can help you in. Like if you're coaches, you're like, or players, if you're Quandre, if you're any of these guys, how do we win in 2023? How do we get to a Super Bowl? If you're a GM, you're like, man, I got to think a couple years out. I might be looking at one of these quarterbacks thinking, you know, like, hey, Pete, your legacy might be tied to Wilson and Gino and what you can do here. I, I might still have my guy out there that my legacy is tied to. Yeah, he's um, he's starting all over. I was talking to my wife last night. And um, in my business, we train athletes and we create seven on seven teams and we see them through. There was a group that um, that we saw through since they were in sixth grade. They all graduated maybe last year. They're playing college football now. There's another group who's halfway through that process. And I was talking to my wife last night. I go, this fifth grade group, this is probably my last group. Right. I'm going to see these guys through. Mm -hmm. I'll be in my late 40s, mid to late 40s when they're when they're done with this thing. That's (laughs) this is probably my last group. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) This is probably my last group. I think that's how Schneider could be looking at this thing. This is my this is my last run. Good point. Like you could to connect to a quarterback and see this process all the way through. And also what we can't ignore neither is his relationships with other GMs. Yes. That he can be in cahoots with the dude over there with the Panthers and saying, look, bro. They're tight with Carolina. Scott Fitterer. Let's let's shake this thing up a little bit. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Their relationships matter. They're going to talk to each other on the phone. They're going to text on the side and say, look, let's play this game. So, again, more possibilities. Uh, From J.D. in the 509, we'll wrap with this. Uh, The question is, is there a Josh Allen or Pat Mahomes in this draft. J.D., it's a great question, and I'm, I know that that's something every GM is wondering, but here's the thing. None of us knew that Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes were going to be Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. There was a column written about Josh Allen saying he could be the next Jake Locker, a guy with a cannon for an arm mm-hmm. who couldn't hit like the side of a barn, right? Like People were looking at his accuracy in college thinking, like, what's he going to be in the pros? I saw so many Jake Locker comparisons. God love him. Go dogs. And for Patrick <laughs> Mahomes... I was reading back uh, before the Super Bowl because I was writing some separate article about scouting on Mahomes. There were plenty of scouting reports saying, hey, Mahomes is going to need work. Actually, um, God, what's his? Uh, Albert Breer has a great column uh, uh, leading into the Super Bowl where he looked at scouting reports that were on Lance and Mahomes. And one of them said Trey Lance should switch to wide receiver or running back. And the other said that Patrick Mahomes is going to need a couple years in the pros to figure it out because he's so raw. Both of them were phenomenal. Yep. So, again, we aren't ever entirely sure which quarterbacks are going to be. You know, a quarterback is good. a sure thing. 
Don't Caleb wait. Williams next year. You don't even know that. I'm putting you my, know what putting quarterback my stamp we, You know who him. we thought was a sure thing? Who's that? One Jamarcus. <laughs> Jamarcus <laughs> Russell. Oh, man. Uh, all right, you guys. Uh, we're going to switch gears. I'll let you know if John Schneider says anything else. But again, a lot of this is going to be like a say nothing party. But the important thing that you needed to hear was him echoing Pete's sentiment about Hey, we're open to taking quarterback at five. So that's what you need to know from that. We'll see if we can get some sound, but uh, we'll keep you posted. We're going to go Mariners here a little bit. I've got a fun game for us. It's called The Cell, The Story, The Question. It sounds like The Lion, The Witch, and The Wardrobe, but it's even funner. That's next.